Instead of syncing your phone with iTunes, downloading an MP3 into your mobile device, you can stream episodes of MTR with the Stitcher Smart Radio app. Stitcher allows you to listen to My Take Radio via your 4G, 3G, or Wi-Fi connections. Downloading it is quick and easy. Head over to stitcher.com forward slash my take and you'll even be eligible to win some money. Enter my take all one word in the promo box and you'll be eligible to win $100 courtesy of my take radio and Stitcher. MTR live starts right now. This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's going on, guys? My Take Radio episode 155 for Thursday, September 20th, 2012. Our call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number is 347-324-3541. You can also hit up our feedback line. That's 347-815-0687. 347-815-0MTR. All right, 155 episodes in the hole. Pretty pumped for this week. A lot of stuff going on. We did um, some hardware enhancements on the back end for the show, and we're testing out some new stuff. Not only that, but we are preparing for the New York Comic Con, which I'll get into in a few minutes. But one of the things that we started doing was adding more content to our YouTube channel, which you can check out by going to youtube.com forward slash TV. And you can check out some of our content there. Let's get some housekeeping out of the way. I, I got an email earlier today asking me about the possibility of forums. Now, as many of you know, we had some forums initially in the first couple of incarnations of MyTakeRadio.com. But, unfortunately, the forums started off really hot and then they just kind of died down. If, you know, it's one of those things where... If people had been more active, it probably would have been better. But like anything else, in 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 the era of Facebook and Twitter, it, it kind of negates the the necessity for a forum. I mean, we're doing so much now on our Facebook fan page, so much engagement, so many of you are liking and resharing all the crazy stuff we put up throughout the day, and we really appreciate it. But as always, there's oh there's one thing that I would like to do more of, and that's have that engagement from the fan page just kind of gravitate towards the site just because the plugins that we have on the fan page actually allow conversations to continue between uh the facebook fan page and the website so that's something that we're kind of building a little bit on bit by bit and the people at live fire have been really helpful with that but 
Other than that, the increased engagement on the fan page makes us very happy. And to answer the listener's question, for the time being, there is no necessity for a forum. If you want to interact with other MTR listeners, of course, the Facebook fan page is most likely your best bet. Um, Our syndication with Stitcher is going very, very well. We're getting some amazing numbers. We're getting some great numbers, even from Blog Talk Radio, which is kind of amusing because a lot of uh, my fellow broadcasters usually look down on Blog Talk Radio, but we, for some reason, over the last couple of weeks have experienced some really, really huge download numbers. So those of you that are using BTR to listen to the show, we appreciate it. But as an FYI, if you're not aware, you can get higher quality episodes by either subscribing to the show via iTunes, listening via Mixler, or most importantly, of course, getting it via Stitcher, which if you go to stitcher.com forward slash my take and enter the my take promo code, you'll be eligible to win a hundred bucks. So those are just some other ways you can listen to the show. Of course, you can also listen by calling in and not pressing the number one to get into the caller queue that allows you to listen to it via your phone. And last but not least, you can also listen on mytakeradio.com If you happen to be on the site, just click the listen button and there is a blog talk radio player there and you can listen to the show that way. We put a lot of new content up on the site this week, including Slick's review of Resident Evil, as well as my review of Double Dragon Neon. There's a ton of stuff from Tokyo Game Show going up, and there is some other stuff coming this weekend that we plan on adding to the site as well. We're also going to be hopefully starting a brand new writer next week that will be uh, adding a little little more content to the MMA section, giving uh, our, our buddy Ben... Uh, a little bit of a break also and and kind of just opening up the lines of communication on that particular aspect of the site just because MMA is so splintered right now just with all the promotions, all the fights being canceled, all the crazy changes going on. So uh, adding a little bit of independent structure in there would be good. Uh, hopefully if, the, if this guy comes on board, he's a former classmate of mine from school. He was in the armed forces. Uh, trains multiple disciplines, plays Call of Duty for real, as he likes to say. If he comes on board, he's going to be giving us a different sort of insight into MMA as well. So we're looking forward to that. As always, if you are interested in writing for MTR, either on a full-time basis or a contributor basis, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. Currently, we'd like to add some more writing talents to our comic book sections and our tech sections as well. So if you're interested, you can drop me a line. Our Get Glue check-ins are going up as usual. For those of you that are checking in on Get Glue, we appreciate that as well. We got some new designs for the shirts that should hopefully be done in time for Comic-Con. If all goes according to plan, we may be even meeting them. We may be using them and meeting the designers on site when we go to New York Comic-Con next month. So a couple of interesting developments on that front. We added our new MTR Beyond the Mic with the crew from the animated series Roxer onto the site this week. It's now available to the public after a period of exclusivity on the MTR app, so you can check that out there. There are two more Beyond the Mic episodes that are going to be going public this week. Um, I'm a little behind schedule just because a couple of things got in the way, but that's some of the new stuff you guys can be looking forward to as well. All right, tonight's topics. The Return of the Ultimate Fighter, we'll be talking about that. We got WWE Raw, the pay-per-view Night of Champions. We got some TNA Impact. We got some stuff from Tokyo Game Show. We got your entertainment news, plus anything else that comes across my desk between now 
and when the show goes off the air as usual. Now, let me get into what I wanted to talk about this week. Obviously, as I mentioned at the start of the show, we started doing some stuff now with the YouTube channel, which is youtube.com forward slash TV. And the beauty of it was that I decided to pull the trigger and pick up the Elgato Game Capture HD. And over the last couple of days, I've been putting up some different videos, different play tests, just testing some things out. Slick was kind enough to come through and test out Double Dragon Neon with me. He is. He also did some captures for his Spider-Man game review, which is coming up, The Amazing Spider-Man. So be on the lookout for that. But the beauty of this device, and I really wanted to get into it, was that more, more often than not, there are so many different devices out there that just have way too many extras that make it difficult to use. And this particular device, the Elgato device, I've been looking for it for a while. It was on back order a couple of times. And I wanted something that was easy to use, didn't add too many wires, most importantly, made made sense that I can just plug it in on the fly, do some video, do some game captures. But unfortunately, the ease of use that started off with the 360 stumped us with the PS3, and I'll tell you why. For those of you that don't know, the PlayStation 3 is HDCP compliant, meaning that you can't plug the HDMI into certain devices, um, either for streaming or through certain types of things like Google TV and stuff like that, because what it does is the HDCP protection comes in and doesn't allow that content to flow through. Obviously, they don't want people bootlegging movies or copying games, etc., etc., just different types of security protocols. Now, the Elgato sends you the small box and a couple of different wires. Obviously, HDMI for the Xbox 360 for 1080p gameplay, and they sent me also component cables, and they sent me another cable, which is to be used with the PS3. Now, the instructions they give you are pretty, pretty bare bones. Slick sat there, read the instructions, we looked at it, and... Seemed pretty straightforward. We plugged in the PS3 via component, and we got picture but no sound. Picture but no sound. I think we scrambled around in frustration for about half an hour to an hour. It turns out that you have to plug in a different cable into an output on the back of the of the PlayStation 3 to get it going. And once we figured it out, we were able to capture Double Dragon Neon. Of course, that, that ended up happening at like 2 a.m., which was good and bad. But nonetheless, we got the gameplay for Double Dragon Neon, which you can check out on the channel. And you can also check out in the Double Dragon Neon review. So we're really happy with the device. I'm also going to put up a review for the device as well, just to share with you guys how easy it is. It's really, really idiot proof. Um, a lot of guys have been putting up reviews for the HDP VR from Hophog. They've been putting up all these, the, the Avermedia game capture. All these devices, they all work if you're interested in getting into capturing or doing game commentary. They all work well, but like I said, the Elgato has no plugs, USB powered, and it just works. Now, with that said, some people are asking, hey, you know, are you going to be doing live streaming, which I really, really, really want to do. Now, my issue with live streaming is that I'm running a 15-foot a USB from the Elgato across my room to my computer. So if I live stream, I can't manage the chat at the same time. So if I do it, it's going to kind of it's going to be a group of people watching me play and I won't be able to chat with them because they'll be, I won't see what they're typing. So that's something that we're going to kind of work the bugs out, but it's, it's definitely something we intend on doing with regards to 
the other stuff on the channel, we're putting some old games up like WrestleFest, which a lot of people seem to like. A lot of people had a lot of laughs watching me play it. I also tried my hand at some commentary, so eh, love-hate relationship, but these are the things we do to just try and spice up the content a bit. So with that said, our YouTube channel is popping. We're putting videos up on the regular. If there are any games you want to see us review or capture or stream, make sure to drop me a line either on the fan page or via email, and we'll try and figure something out. If there's any games, we're going to try and do... Um, a blast from the past with some older games that I'm going to try and capture and give a little commentary on. Drop me a line. Let me know if I have one of those older games. We'll throw it up there. Um, my original Xbox has a, a MAME emulator loaded on it. So you're going to probably be seeing so, a lot of arcade stuff. I'm thinking maybe Aliens vs. Predator arcade next week and possibly the Punisher arcade game as well. And I'm going to dig into the uh, the fighters, the fighting genre and maybe dig up a little Fighters History, which was a game that was loathed by many people, but for some reason it has I have a soft spot for it, so I may throw that up with some commentary as well to have a few laughs. So that's what's going on with that. Of course, the new iPhone 5 drops tomorrow. People are going crazy. There's guys already camping out outside of the store. Uh, iOS 6 dropped also this week. I'm going to try and possibly do something with that as well for the channel. We'll see how that pans out. All right, so with that said, let's get into MMA for this week because there was a lot going on. Now, originally I was going to play the Ultimate Fighter music, but... For some reason, I didn't I didn't add it back into the soundboard for this week. So, as I said, the Ultimate Fighter started new this week. Um, I want to say that there was very little fanfare going into this season. A, a couple of people I spoke to were like, "Oh man, they're still doing that show." That's how that's how under the radar it's fallen. I think part of it can be attributed to do to airing the show on Friday nights. Any show that that airs on Friday nights, it's a death knell. With the exception of SmackDown, obviously, because there's a there's a built-in audience for that with kids, and it's still one of the highest-rated shows, even if not everybody watches it. It's still one of the highest-rated also on DVR. So SmackDown is an exception. The Ultimate Fighter, on the other hand, not so much. Your coaches are Shane Carwin and Roy Nelson, and they got some great assistance with them. Shane Carwin has Trevor Whitman, who's doing the boxing, Nate Marquardt for jiu-jitsu, Pat Barry for striking, Dwayne Ludwig for striking as well, uh, Lister Bowling for wrestling, and Lauren Lanlo for sports performance. Team Nelson has a, a who's who of coaches as well with El Nino, Gilbert Melendez, and the Diaz brothers, which anytime those guys are involved, you can expect good television. Now, the crazy thing is that this season had a couple of fighters that we've heard of before in some capacity, and also we had... Some, some new guys coming in as usual, and the goals were the same. You know, you come in, you get your introductory speech, uh, you, he, gives, he goes over the rules, and we start seeing some of the fights. Now, like any Ultimate Fighter, we, we had a lot of great standouts, which I was very impressed with. Uh, Bristol Marunde, he fought, I believe, in Strike Force, if I remember correctly. He was on there. He secured himself a victory with a guillotine choke, so he's going into the house. 
And most of the highlights, they kind of felt a little rushed, but it was it was fine for the first episode just to see that. Um, like I said, we saw a lot of great talent, some really good, smooth submissions. And last but not least, the, the beauty of this season and going back to this old format is the fact that you kind of get an understanding of why the live format didn't work. And that was because there wasn't any any drama added to it. You just didn't feel like like they were connecting. You know, Ben Ben in the chat says that the new Ultimate Fighter is absolutely horrible. I can care less about Carwin and Nelson and all the fighters on there are subpar. There's no need to do a 170-pound show. To I, I agree with Ben to a degree. I don't think it's absolutely horrible, but I think that the Ultimate Fighter has kind of played itself out only because, like I said, they tried the live formula, didn't work. They went back to the old formula, and while the old formula is fine, the coaches really aren't going to bring people in the way you would think. Sure, Carwin and, and Roy Nelson are going to put on a, a, a pretty good fight at heavyweight, but they just don't grab you. They don't grab your attention, and they don't grab a casual fan like, like a George St. Pierre or, or a Nick Diaz or a Tito Ortiz or an Anderson Silva or a John Jones. Guys, guys whose names have, have been established they they bring more clout to the show. Not to take anything away from Car from Carwin and Nelson because they're great athletes, but it's just not the same. But I do agree with him. The, using 170 pounders, we got so many of them already. It's uh, it's true. 125, some of those lighter weight classes that we need athletes in those class in those classes. And unfortunately, maybe maybe for the next season, but who knows at this point if this if this won't even be the last season. They're saying that they're going to be doing tryouts for tough 17 which i believe they should be doing them soon if they haven't started already but again if they don't find ways to change the format i'd like to see it back on wednesday nights instead of fridays because like i said i think that's a huge factor now for the teams sam alvey bristol marunde michael ricci neil magny james cheney eddie ellis igor igor wow araujo and matt secor went to Team Carwin. Team Nelson got Dom Waters, Michael Hill, Cameron Diffley, Colton Smith, John Mainley, Nick Haran, Joey Rivera, and Julian Lane. Now, obviously, you guys are like, oh, Rich didn't recap the fights as usual. That, it, there's no sense in recapping it. By the time, you know, it's already a week old, you guys know what the deal is. If you don't, then I just pretty much broke down the teams for you. Like I said, it got the lowest ratings for an Ultimate Fighter season, which says a lot and is a little disheartening. I mean, like I said, change it back to Wednesdays and try and spice up the formula a little bit. Why not do an Ultimate Fighter and focus it maybe on Strike Force fighters, on guys that are that are that are that aren't coming into the UFC but that are coming into Strike Force? See, that's one thing that I kind of noticed as of late. A lot of fighters know how to play this game now. Like guys like Bristol, like Bristol Marunde, they fought in Strike Force. Now they're trying to get into the UFC. It's almost like a guaranteed slot to get in there. I think that if you're just starting out and you're an up-and-coming fighter, you should really hone your skills in strike force first. Maybe give them a shorter deal and then migrate them to the UFC because what's happening is they you're leaving strike force with no fighters. Nobody's re-upping with strike force because they know that they'll win a couple of fights on the road and get into the UFC or Better yet, they'll just go and try out for the Ultimate Fighter like some of these established guys are doing, and they'll get in that way. Another thing is, I've said it before, maybe an Ultimate Fighter with the ladies. 
so we can so we can build that Showtime women's division. Dana White says, oh, you know, we we're not shit. We're not shutting down on Strike Force. We want to keep doing stuff with them. We want to keep working with Showtime. Show us that you do. You know, an Ultimate Fighter with female fighters might work. Maybe you you know work with Invicta, who who's the up and coming female women's organization. Start getting some of their fighters in there, doing something like that. Maybe like Ben said, 125 pounders. That might be the way to go. Something, anything, but this same tired formula, it's going to run its course. And what's going to happen is a network is going to be like, look, we really don't want to renew it anymore. And that's that. Damn, harsh words from Ben. Ben is like, please shut down Strike Force. I, I, I understand your logic, Ben. I don't, I, the Strike Force that's currently in existence is kind of bullshit, but there's still a place for it. Maybe build Strike Force around the women. Maybe that's what you need to do. Keep Strike Force as a women's promotion. Maybe, like I said, cross promote with Invicta. Do something. But the Strike Force name still has a little bit of clout, and you still have that Showtime audience as well. Dana White has just raped and pillaged that entire roster to the point where eventually they're all gonna go to Zufa. Ben, Ben is showing no mercy. Slick, Slick mentioned that in there, but. Strike Force still has clout. Don't close the door on it yet when you have Ronda Rousey who's in there who's getting so much mainstream exposure. Start applying your talents and getting some female fighters in there. Yeah, Rockhold and Melendez definitely you can see them going to the UFC. I, I agree with you there. All right, let's get into the rest of the MMA news for this week. Uh the first bit of news is kind of disheartening. Uh AsianMMA.com reported that Dream's parent company, Real Entertainment, closed up shop. That means that it is the end of the Dream promotion. Uh, Dream actually did a lot of New Year's Eve shows at the Saitama Super Arena uh, going back to 2008. Dream was created from, uh, you know, it was created pretty much from, from the ashes of Pride before Pride was purchased by Zufa in 2007. A lot of great fighters fought in Dream. Mirko, Eddie Alvarez, Shinya Aoki, Joaquin Hansen, uh, Sakurai, Jay-Z Cavalcante, they've all fought in that promotion. But not only that, Dream just put on some crazy shows. Last New Year's, when when my nephew John was down here, who many of you know as, as John Blade, was down here, we actually watched four hours of MMA from Dream. And it was probably some of the craziest shit we've ever seen. Over-the-top entr- entrances, uh, catch wrestling, it, Muay Thai. It was, it was beautiful. It was fun to watch. And I'm... It, it saddens me to hear the departure of this promotion just because they, they always gave us something to look forward to every New Year's Eve. Obviously, the departure of Dream opens up a huge gap that the UFC can hopefully fill by running a couple of more events in Japan. Will they do that? Who knows? But Japanese MMA is totally different than what the UFC puts out. And I think that if the UFC wants to grasp a foothold in Japan, they're going to need to step their game up and make it make it feel more on the level that Dream was. I Ben Ben is Ben definitely is on fire tonight. One FC of course is the promotion now that's kind of waving the banner um abroad, but again, I mean, you don't you're not going to get those crazy fights in One FC that you got in Dream. You know, catch wrestling fights with um shit with Josh Barnett uh, Muay Thai fights, crazy shit like that. You're not going to get that. But 1FC definitely has the potential to be the number one promotion in Japan if they if they continue to put on consistent events and 
they're already going there with the pride rules and all that stuff, so they're trying their best, but Dream kind of already had themselves situated and were already established, but we'll see how it pans out. Like I said, it's a great opportunity for the UFC in Japan. They just got to step it up, add a little bit more theatricality in Japan because the Japanese fans really appreciate that and have fun with it. This, these are the opportunities where the UFC can go abroad and have some fun with their fighters and, you know, do the over-the-top videos and do some stuff like that and just really help the Japanese fans become accustomed to that type of style because that's what they enjoy. And not only that, it'll just generate more money. The fighters will be kind of pumped to go out there. You got the big screen, a little bit of pyro, have some fun with it. But Dana White's not that kind of a guy, so I doubt we shall see that. Going back into some Strike Force news, it seems that the Melendez Healy card has has finally taken shape. That's going to be going down September 29th, of course. It's going to be on Showtime. Gilbert Melendez will be defending his lightweight title against Pat Healy. Um, GM Vellante is going to be fighting on that card. Carlos Fedor, um, Isaac Valley Flag, also Jorge Santiago is going to be fighting on that card. The prelims are going to be on Showtime Extreme. We're going to see uh, George Gergel in action. He's going to be taking on Mizoto Hirota. Um, Amanda Nunez is going to be fighting Kat Zingano. Mike Kyle is going to be fighting as well. Also added to that card, Estevan Payan will be taking on Michael Bravo. That's going to be the opener for the prelim card on Showtime. But the crazy thing is that you're going to get a two-for-one. You're going to get Showtime the 29th, but also UFC on Fuel TV is going to be happening the 29th as well. That's going to be happening in England. The That, that card is going to have the following fights. You got... Uh, Stipe Miocic taking on Stefan Struve, Dan Hardy's taking on Amir Sadala, Yves Jabwan's taking on Brad Pickett, Paul Sass, Matt Wyman, John Hathaway and John McGuire, Dwayne Ludwig and Che Mills, uh, the Facebook prelims, uh, Kyle Kingsbury's going to be taking on Jimmy Manua, Brad Tavares is on that card, and Demarcus Johnson is stepping in to take on Gunnar Nelson. Also, um, the crazy thing about this fight is that Demarcus Johnson it almost feels like he fought like yesterday so it's I I don't know if he's taking the fight on short notice but I'm bummed that that particular fight didn't make its way to the main card Demarcus Johnson's very exciting to watch and um, same thing with Akira Khorasani another guy that he's pretty he's pretty crazy and those fights should have been on the main card Ben is telling me that Gunnar Nelson is a beast so I'm gonna have to find a way to get on Facebook at one o'clock on the 29th to watch those fights but but there you go you got a complete saturday full of mma from the ufc and from showtime next saturday this saturday of course we got john jones vitor belfort on pay-per-view you can check out the picks from our content partners at mma valor on mytakeradio.com in some invicta news sarah kaufman had to pull out of her fight with caitlin young that's going to be invicta three kaufman is being replaced Instead, by Leslie Smith, Caitlin Young will take on Leslie Smith. Smith's original opponent, uh, original opponent Kim Connor, is going to be taking on Raquel Pennington. That card goes down October 6th, and you can watch that entire card for free on Invicta's website. So you're going to get some free women's MMA streaming online. If you got a Google TV or maybe I think a a, a boxy box, you can watch it on the big screen. Definitely. Check out Invicta. They put on great fights, and if we support women's MMA, it can help it flourish and add some life and add some opponents to our champions like Ronda Rousey. So, of course, show your support. Check that out October 6th. 
Now, it wouldn't be an MMA segment without the injury bug plaguing the, the, the sport all over the place, including Strike Force. Frank Mir had to pull out of his fight with Daniel Cormier in November. It seems that Frank Mir suffered an undisclosed injury, which is believed to be knee-related. As of right now, they have no replacement for him. So that's going to be taking place November 3rd. A lot of rumors are pointing to Fabricio Verdum stepping in, but who knows at this point. I'm kind of bummed. I think Mir versus Cormier would have been a great fight. Um, we were joking around, Ben Ben and I, and I was saying that Chael Sonnen should take that fight, and um, Cormier should take take the fight at 205. And, you know, we had a couple of laughs about it. Fuck it, I'd watch that fight, but Ben brought to my attention that Cormier cutting to 205, would it would probably kill him. Maybe do a catchweight fight. I think Cormier and um, Chael Sonnen would be a fun fight to watch. Maybe do it at like 215, 225. Do it at that kind of a... Because Chael Sonnen wants to take any fight he can at short notice. Not to say that Verdum wouldn't do a good fight, but it's a fight that would generate more of a buzz. Verdum and Cormier... Um, would generate more, I mean, would has less of a ring to it than Sonnen Cormier does. And to reference Ben, Ben said, please do not let it be Tim Sylvia. Yes, I agree. I'd rather see Andre Arlovsky than Tim Sylvia, but that's just me. George St. Pierre makes his return to the Octagon November 17th for UFC 154, taking on interim champion Carlos Conda to unify the welterweight titles. Also on that card, Johnny Hendricks taking on Martin Campman, Patrick Cote's fighting on that card, John McDessey, Tom Lawler, Mark Hominick, and Pablo Garza. A lot of great fights on that card, of course. GF, GSP's return to the Octagon, it's going to be huge. It's going to be in Montreal at the Bell Center. That place is going to explode as soon as he comes out. It's going to be interesting to see how GSP bounces back from the knee injury and if he can not only unify the belts, but put on a performance that makes him look credible again. A lot of these guys, they come back from knee injuries, not not only in MMA, but in many sports, and it takes a bit of time for them to uh, feel comfortable putting weight on the knee or, most importantly, taking strikes to the knee. That's one thing that's going to concern me. I'm, I know Carlos Conde is definitely going to try and there, get in there with some low kicks, maybe test out GSP's knee. He, he's going to have to check some kicks. Carlos Conde loves using them. It's going to be a fun fight. Um, Johnny Hendricks, Martin Campman is going to be solid as well. November 17th, it goes down. Now, December 15th, you got the UFC on FX, and they got a couple of good fights there. Obviously, the Australia versus UK finals are there. Um, Christoph Szczynski returns to the octagon. Hector Lombard is taking on Husamar Pajares, and Ross Pearson is taking on George Sotteropoulos. So some solid fights being put on. December 15th, that, like I said, that's going to be the finale for the Australia versus UK uh, ultimate fighter that's currently going on. Last but not least, as I mentioned, Daniel Cormier has no opponent. The other fights for that card, which is November 3rd, Luke Rockhold will be defending his belt against Lorenz Larkin. Liz Carmouche is taking on Sarah McMahon, Sarah McMahon. And last but not least, there is a rumored fight that hasn't been announced or confirmed yet between Bobby Green and Jorge Masvidal. So there you have it, ladies and gents. That's the MMA news for this week. We're going to jump right into some wrestling news. And of course, Booker, take it away. We want the gold, sucker! Hulk Hogan, we're coming for you, nigga!
note to self, make sure to get myself Ryback's new theme music, um, which would be remarkably more fitting for this segment than his old theme music. Anyway, My Take Radio's wrestling segment, as always, is brought to you by WWEShop.com. Make sure to use the promo code WWESAVE10 when you check out on orders over $70. And that's effective until the end of the month. WWE Save 10 to save $10 off orders over $70 or more at WWEShop.com. I forgot to mention that MMA was sponsored by MMA Warehouse, but you guys know the deal. They're the ones that kind of add the flair to that segment. Anyway, let's get into wrestling for this week. Night of Champions came and went. It was a pretty decent card. Very surprised with the YouTube pre-show with the Battle Royal for the number one contender for Antonio Cesaro's U.S. title. The winner of the Battle Royal was Zack Ryder, who eliminated Lord Tenzai. Now, the funny thing with Ryder is every couple of weeks he goes through this huge, huge spiral where he's getting jobbed out left and right, and then they start kind of reinvesting energy into him and giving him some pretty good matches. So his performance in the Battle Royal was very good, and this would, of course, lead to him challenging Cesaro, which I'll get into in a few minutes. Nonetheless, like I said, great performance from everybody involved. Most of the guys that were in there, you know, weren't getting the title shot, so it almost felt like it was either going to be Santino again or Ryder was going to get the nod, and I'm glad they went with Ryder. The fatal four-way match for the IC belt with Mysterio, Sin Cara, Cody Rhodes, and of course The Miz was pretty solid. Had a lot of great spots. I think that Sin Cara really came into his own a little bit in that match, especially working with Ray. If the rumors are true, those two guys are going to be facing off at WrestleMania with the rumor being that Ray would be playing the heel, Sin Cara would be playing the face, and it would be more of a pass-the-torch type of a match. Again, very solid. All these guys are great workers. Sinkara has his botches, which is is you know something that happens. But I think partly that's because people haven't adjusted to his style, and he hasn't adjusted yet to the slower style of the WWE. All the guys involved put on great performances. Cody Rhodes, as usual, was solid. The Miz was really good, sneaking in and catching Cody Rhodes with the skull crushing finale to retain his belt. But it was just it was a fun match. Now. Uh, A tag team match whose outcome we knew was a no-brainer was Kofi Kingston and R-Truth taking on Daniel Bryan and Kane. Now, obviously, with the push of Bryan and Kane, you should have known that they were going to put the belts on them. Now, I don't have a real issue with it. The only thing I see is that throwing them together and having them run with the belts, while it's fun, kind of devalues the tag team belts because it's more about them being a tag team than the belts themselves. But... Anything that can showcase tag team wrestling is okay in my book, so I'll take the good with the bad. Uh, the The match itself was was pretty decent. I think that Kofi Kingston and R-Truth, as usual, work very well. Daniel Bryan is able to hang with those guys. It just seemed a little bit more mismatched with Kane being involved because it almost feels like Kane moves at a slower pace. Even though he's fast for a big man, it just it just felt a little disjointed. Obviously, the outcome was a no-brainer with those guys getting the belts, but I enjoyed that match. Cesaro took on Zack Ryder, and while they didn't give the belt to Zack Ryder, which is fine, I think Cesaro needs to hold the belt for a little bit. The match was very competitive. I really am starting to uh, appreciate Antonio Cesaro's wrestling. I really like the, the European uppercuts and the way he's throwing them in there. 
and he's doing his thing, integrating some of those moves that we saw as Claudio Castagnoli in Ring of Honor, European uppercut especially, uh, one particular one, and I I don't think it was in this match. It was, um, I think, in a match two weeks ago he was involved in where the guy he, the guy was hopping off the the second turnbuckle or he sat the guy in the second turnbuckle and he caught him with a, a leaping European uppercut. It almost looked like a Shoryuken from Street Fighter. It, it was so good, and the, and the person sold it so well. Antonio Cesaro, definitely a high point. Guy is super talented. And his work with Ryder was really good. Orton and Ziggler was, I really want to say, shouldn't have ended the way it ended. Giving a victory to Randy Orton at this stage really does nothing for Randy Orton. Dolph Ziggler needs every victory he has. Not only because he has the suitcase to cash in the money in the bank, but because he's a character that needs those wins. Those wins matter to him because they're they're part of his aura. He comes out there, he says he's the best. He's one of the hardest workers. He He's the best on the mic, the best in the ring. And to let him lose to Randy Orton just for the sake of putting the face over, just it was something that that took away from this match. Even though the match itself was good and, it, you know, Dolph Ziggler complimented Orton's brawling style. And as usual, Dolph Ziggler, he bumps like a, like a champ. He, he's able to take moves and just make it look like he got shot. But... It just didn't work because the outcome ruined it for me. Randy Orton wins and losses. He's he's so established that wins and losses don't mean a damn thing to him. Dolph Ziggler needs these wins and losses until he wins the belt and holds on to it and is and establishes himself as as a main eventer. You shouldn't really flush these 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 wins down the toilet by giving them to Randy Orton, who's gonna be going off television soon anyway because he has to go film a new movie. Definite, definitely shitty booking on their part. The Divas Championship match, which was supposed to be Layla versus Caitlyn, she was mysteriously attacked backstage by an unknown assailant, a.k.a. Eve, which allowed Eve Torres to get into the match, and Eve beat Layla with her finisher called the Heartbreaker, and Eve is your new Divas Champion. The problem with this match, excuse me, the problem with this match and most Divas matches at this point is the fact that the women that are holding the belts and their opponents just don't have the wrestling ability to to carry the belt the way they should. Layla's wrestling is good, Eve's wrestling is improved, but it's not on the uh, on on par with uh, a Beth Phoenix, uh, a Natalia. Hell, even even as far as a, as a Lita or a Trish Stratus, which while Lita's wrestling wasn't good, it still added that that holy shit, this chick is coming out and we're going to get excited, not because she looks hot, but because she can wrestle. See, the problem here is that Layla, Eve Torres, Caitlyn, their wrestling is subpar, but the guy, it's become more of the, the oh, look at these hot chicks brawling instead of just women's wrestling. That's one thing I have to admit TNA does right. Um, occasionally, they do, they do throw a little sexuality into their wrestling and it's sexually charged. But the majority of their wrestling and their athletes in TNA are are solid wrestlers. I they, they can hold their own. Tara especially, uh, Mickey James, Gail Kim, even even Velvet Sky when she was there was showing signs of improvement. But WWE it seems with with Triple H at the helm, he's not focusing as much on the Divas division as he wants to reinvigorate the tag division. So take that for what it's worth. Our World Heavyweight Championship match with Sheamus and Alberto Del Rio was pretty much 
formulaic from start to finish. Obviously, the bro kick was reinstated and Sheamus secured himself the victory. The problem with Sheamus being champion is that he's not at a level yet where people really give a shit about him. Sheamus actually does better chasing for the belt than holding the belt. And frankly, Alberto Del Rio is just fucking boring. He's boring. He added nothing to that feud. The only part of that feud that had any value was Ricardo Rodriguez. And with what I've been hearing about Sheamus' rumored next challenger for the belt, it's only going to get worse. Now, of course, the big match of the night, CM Punk, John Cena, WWE Championship, Cena's hometown of Boston. CM Punk came out wearing Yankee pinstripes. Very, very nice, subtle heel tactics from the champion. I, I referenced this on the fan page when we were watching Raw Monday night. It's the fact that CM Punk does so many little subtle things to add credibility to his heel character, and Paul Heyman just is, is the finishing touch on it. Coming into Boston, knowing the rivalry with the Yankees, CM Punk is from fucking Chicago. He doesn't even need to wear Yankee pinstripes, but th the minute that you see that blue and white, you know those are Yankee colors, and it just automatically turn that entire crowd against him. WWE knows what they're doing in that regard. You're in Cena's hometown. You need to get everybody behind Cena and making CM Punk not only the heel, aligning him with Heyman, but most importantly, wearing the colors of a team that, that Boston fans loathe with a passion was a beautiful touch. Beautiful. Now, the match itself was... It, it was another instant classic from these guys. These guys continue to work well together. The The magic of this feud isn't so much the wrestling because John Cena's wrestling is passable at best. And I kind of feel that CM Punk slows down to accommodate him. I feel that it's the mic work and just the involvement of Paul Heyman pulling the strings. I really like the near falls that we that we got to see. We saw uh, CM Punk kick out of the attitude adjustment twice. We saw John Cena kick out of the go to sleep. We got to see an STF into a Crippler crossface, which obviously with the passing of Chris Benoit, it kind of felt like that move was brushed under the rug. Occasionally you'd see it broken out by, you know, a Triple H or somebody like that, but they never acknowledge it as a Crippler crossface, but it was nice that CM Punk brought it out. I think we're well past the, the Benoit hatred at this point to to associate the move with him. It looked really good. The transition was nice. I'm not knocking it. I just really appreciated that. I also like the fact that CM Punk used the rock bottom as well, continuing to acknowledge his his existing feud with Dwayne was um it was really, really good. I like that. It was it was a nice little subtle nod that really worked. And it was complemented by the fact that JBL, of course, was doing commentary in Jerry Lawler's absence. He kind of helped add to that story. It was really, really good. John Cena's German suplex off the top turnbuckle closed out the match. Both guys got the double pin. Um, it ended up being ruled as a draw, which, of course, favors the champion. CM Punk caps the belt. So we get the little bit of the Boston screw job going on. But, again, the, the German suplex, another nice spot. It, it just kind of put a, a, great, a, a great bow around this match as a whole. Obviously, this leads to the rematch at Night of Champions, which, I mean, at um, Hell in the Cell, which I'm personally looking forward to, but may be in jeopardy with some news I'll share with you guys later on in the segment. So, let's get into 
Raw for this week because there was a lot going on there. So let's get the ball rolling on that. Raw opened up with everyone's favorite manager, Paul Heyman, coming out, cutting himself a nice little promo, talking about the referee making the right decision. John Cena comes out. He gets ready to get involved in the promo. Um, Then Del Rio comes out, which, of course, was a no-brainer where this was going, and um, it was to set up a tag match. Sheamus, John Cena against CM Punk and Del Rio later on in the evening. Uh, the Mexicans, Rey Mysterio and Sin Cara, and the only reason I'm saying that is because they took on everyone's favorite Goya brothers, the Puerto Ricans, Epico and Primo. Now, obviously, besides the huge Hispanic undertones in this match, I really got to commend JBL for acknowledging Primo and Epico's careers in Puerto Rico, their championship accomplishments. Same thing with Rey Mysterio and Sin Cara. Nice, nice work from JBL. It was very, very well done. The match itself, I expected more high-flying in this match for some reason, um, but it served its purpose. The The major setup for this match, of course, was the PTP coming out and attacking Rey Mysterio and Sin Cara. Um, Titus O'Neil with his fucking bark, complaining, saying that, you know, we coming for you pretty much, and this, that. It was, it was really shades of uh, everyone's favorite Booker T promo, which I played at the start of the segment, and it kind of... It made it made me give a shit about the primetime players just because they they kind of since they, taking away Abraham Washington they kind of been without guidance so giving them a little bit of a chip on their shoulder and coming out and attacking everybody's favorite faces spoke volumes of where they're going with these characters and not for nothing I've said it before and I'll say it again you don't need promos you just you don't need anything contrived or stupid you just need to attack the most popular guys and nobody's more popular with kids than Rey Mysterio and Sin Cara. So for the PTP to come out there and attack these guys was instant heel heat. Well played, well played. They started promoting the Miz TV segment, which was cringeworthy all its own. You can see Blade's thoughts on that in this week's Buried. We got a non-title match with Eve Torres and Beth Phoenix, which pretty much was my cue to go to the bathroom because it was it was way too paint by numbers not only that but it just made beth phoenix look like a fucking jobber in addition to that we got another jobber fodder match with brodus and heath slater which was complete garbage because we all know who was going to win this match anyway this leads to miz coming out with his miz tv segment shitting on booker t but the beauty of it was ryback coming out destroying the miz's set he freaking flung a love seat at the Miz, which was very impressive, which of course is because Ryback is going to be chasing for the IC belt. I honestly like the slow burn that they've done with Ryback, and the step up in competition is good. Now, the beauty of this is that Ryback has gone out there and he's been undefeated. Now, if Ryback loses against the Miz, it won't damage him too much because the Miz is a higher caliber opponent. But if you want to protect Ryback and keep him safe, the Miz is going to have to beat him with his brain and not his wrestling. So expect to see lots of countouts, DQ finishes, etc., etc., until finally there's some sort of a blow-off match and Ryback gets the IC title. 
The match with Santino Morella and Dolph Ziggler, again, another jobber fodder match. But I did like one thing, and Dolph Ziggler did a great job with that. And that was pretty much embarrassing Santino in the match, throwing the Cobra on him and telling him. He's like, is this what you want to do? Is this it? You're a joke. You're a fucking clown. It was it was great. He gagged him. He put the Cobra in his mouth. He embarrassed him. And the reason that I like that was because maybe it's going to lead to a to a change in Santino's character. Maybe his character needs a little tweaking because I'm sorry, the lovable loser, uh, the, the, the Ginzo stereotypes, they've really lost their edge. And I think Santino could be well suited for a gimmick change. And Dolph Ziggler being the catalyst is good because it, it, Santino can just go nuts and start breaking out all that wrestling that he did when he was Boris Alexiev. Uh, if you guys don't know that particular gimmick, YouTube is your friend. Anyway, I really like that, and I like the fact that, that going that route was good for Ziggler because it gave Ziggler heel heat, and again, he beat up somebody who the crowd likes. So that worked. Hopefully, like I said, it's a, it's a catalyst for Santino to change his gimmick and um, maybe show us something different. Wade Barrett took on Justin Gabriel. We got a nice little Nexus chant, which was pretty good in this match. I, I was kind of shocked. I was in the other room. I have a fridge in my bedroom, and I'm in the other room getting something to drink, and I hear them chanting a Nexus chant, we want Nexus, which was very, very interesting. Wade Barrett, his new look, his new fighting style, scream main eventer. If anybody should be getting into beef with Sheamus at this point, it's Wade Barrett. His match with Justin Gabriel was good. Gabriel made him look great in that match. And the finisher that they gave him, the 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 elbow, you know, the wind-up elbow or the wind-up knockout was very, very nice. It was a better addition to his offense than Wasteland. I always felt Wasteland was a weak finisher for a guy like Barrett that you're grooming for main event status. And like I said, he's lost weight. The beard actually makes him look like a completely different guy. It just works. Justin Gabriel made him look good. And um, right after this match, we got a little backstage subway segment, which was good because, again, with Ryback, nothing crazy. You, um, It got everybody in there, Sandow, R-Truth, everybody, even Zack Ryder, he got one. And it was funny, they gave uh, Zack Ryder an Italian BLT. You could have a couple of laughs with that. But Ryback, he walked in, asked Jared to feed him more, and Jared handed Ryback a sandwich Ryback grabbed the second sandwich and walked out. It wasn't crazy. It wasn't it wasn't over the top, but it worked. Ryback didn't just keep screaming it or anything. I, I actually got a chuckle out of this segment. A lot of people online were like, oh, you know, this product placement shit is bullshit, blah, blah, blah. But I liked it because it allowed the, the characters, you know, it allowed the wrestlers to have a different a different dimension to their persona. Like, you know, obviously Damian Sandow, um, and, and Ryback made that segment hilarious. I liked it. And, and Jared's scared looks that are that are super believable actually worked. We got a rematch for the tag team championships with Kane and Daniel Bryan. We knew how this was going to end. Uh, the high point is Daniel Bryan just yelling at the top of his lungs that I am the tag team champion, which, of course, Kane responds with, I am the tag team champion. It's amusing, but I have a feeling it's going to lose its luster very quickly. Lord Tensai joined the job squad this week, taking on our buddy Blandy Orton. In a match which was surprisingly competitive, um, Lord Tensai didn't look like a complete jobber, but going in there against Orton, we know what the deal is with that. Damian Sandow and Zack Ryder 
what was again what I thought would be another jobber squash match. Zack Ryder once again looking competitive, looking really good in there with Sandow. Obviously Sandow's in 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 full push mode. He looked good as usual. His his trademark neck breaker was nice. Damian Sandow is the complete package. Him, Wade Barrett, these are guys that are going to usher in a new era for the WWE as the top heels of the company. You can bank on that, and you heard it here first on September 20th at 11.52 p.m. Eastern Time. Our tag team match, you know, ended with shenanigans with uh, CM Punk's foot on the ropes with John Cena getting the pin, which was interesting. I don't know where it's going to be going, but again, this tag match didn't feel... It didn't feel right for some reason. I just feel, like I said, Sheamus and Del Rio just don't work. They don't work. I like Sheamus. He's a, he's a credible guy. His hooligan gimmick works. Just just not as your champion. Not as, as the face of your company. And Del Rio, fucking Ricardo Montalban is fucking boring as shit. He, he needs to just hone his skills in the mid-card, tweak his gimmick a little bit before putting him up in the main event because he is boring as shit. Really is. And on the Impact side of things, of course, Shaq showed up on Impact. Cue the crickets. AJ Styles and Kurt Angle took on Chavo Guerrero and Hernandez. Um, it had a DQ finish, but it was a very, very solid match. Kurt Angle, he's he's the walking wounded, always with injuries. Looked really good in that match. Chavo Guerrero, is it's a no-brainer. He's, he's awesome in, in everything he's doing. And he's not going around trying to get the rub, getting belts. He's, he's biding his time in the tag team division. He's helping Hernandez get over, which is fine. A, a, a solid opener. We got a gut check challenge with uh, Evan Mar- Markopoulos taking on Doug Williams. I was I was kind of bummed that Doug, Doug Williams has been relegated to this. He's such a great wrestler. His, his, his finisher is, is amazing. I don't understand why we don't see him wrestling more often. Chaos Theory is, uh, is fantastic. Why they don't let him wrestle, I don't know. James Rude, uh, James Rude, <laughs> James Storm and Bobby Rude, paint by numbers. Clearly, they're rekindling the feud between these guys. <sighs> yeah, pretty much. The, James Storm, you want to push him to a main event? Why rehash the same feud? So many other guys he could be feuding with. Obviously, I understand Bobby Rude is a given, but again, so many other guys out there. Tara, of course, heel turn on Brooke Tessmacher last week, which was talked about this week, blah, blah, blah. Austin Aries and Bully Ray was your main event. Very good match. Bully Ray pinned Austin Aries. Um, I was shocked that they did that. Clearly, they're pushing Bully Ray, especially after re-signing with TNA. I have no issue with that whatsoever. Bully Ray is is a solid main eventer. Is he a guy that I, that I would like to see hold the belt long term? No. Is he the guy that you could put the belt on for a month or two to, to spice things up? Sure, why not? And not only that, but his work with Austin Aries, for some reason, you would think it's complete shit, but it's really not. They work very well together, and whenever Austin Aries hits that brain buster on him, it's it's a thing of beauty, folks. It is a thing of beauty. Now on to the wrestling news for this week. TNA released a couple of re- uh, wrestlers. Mark Haskins, who was recently signed, he was a wrestler from the UK, decided not to renew his contract, so he is out. And they actually released the former Knockouts champion, Katie Lee Burchill, who, well, formerly Katie Lee Burchill, now Winter in TNA. She was released. Um, she was paired with Angelina Love for a while. Her TNA deal expired. 
but TNA hadn't used her since June, so she is no longer with the company. I thought that she was going to get a renewed push going into TNA and given that Angelina, Angelina Love left, but clearly not. And for some reason, she, she just has a very different look to her. The gimmick they gave her in TNA was good, but keeping her in the WWE would have been better just because it would have added uh, some, some, extra, some extra credibility to the roster. She's not a bad wrestler, but unfortunately, she is no longer with the company. Now, speaking of TNA and WWE, a couple of weeks back, we were discussing the fact that there was a lawsuit going on between TNA and the WWE because it seems that a guy that worked for TNA left was hired by the WWE and allegedly told the WWE brass which wrestlers had contracts expiring, which, of course, the WWE started monitoring so that they could sign those guys. Um, guys like Matt Morgan, um, this guy from uh, Motor City, Alex Shelley, a lot of those talents, Ric Flair. So what ends up happening is WWE is not going to sign any of these talents while this lawsuit is going on. So for the time being, we're not going to see Alex Shelley. We're not going to see Ric Flair. Um, you know, Matt Morgan, it, rumors are pointing to him re-signing with TNA. So make of that what you will. But um, what's happening is a lot of TNA talents also kind of getting bitten in the ass with the restructuring of contracts. So this is really open season for the WWE if they wanted to get some TNA guys. But with the lawsuit going on right now, a lot of these guys are going to have to sit by the sidelines for a while until they can come up with an amicable resolution. As announced this past Monday, Jerry Lawler will be on Raw next week, not on the broadcast commentating, but he will appear from Memphis on Raw. They're going to do an interview talking about his recovery and explaining you know, pretty much what went down with the heart attack. So it's going to be great to hear from the King. Obviously, you've been seeing pictures and touts and all this stuff. He's in good spirits. He's looking He's looking like his, like his old self. So... It's good to see him back. Who knows when we'll see him broadcasting, if ever. But I think that his in-ring, his in-ring career at this point is over. It's going to be interesting to see what he says next week. I'm sure the fans are going to eat it up, and they will be excited as well. This past Monday, we all know WWE started promoting their campaign with Coleman for the Cure. Obviously, the Susan Coleman Foundation for Breast Cancer. Uh, John Cena had some shirts and some merchandise wet going on. Uh, his hats, his shirts, they were pink and all that. But one thing you might have noticed, Dolph Ziggler no longer wearing pink. Now wearing a, a blue color, like a teal. So clearly all of Dolph, Z Dolph Ziggler's pink merchandise is actually on sale, 40% off on WWEshop.com. If you use the save 10 code and spend 70 bucks, you'll get $10 off your order. So if you want to pick up some pink Dolph Ziggler shirts, now's the time. Anyway, as I was saying, I got to commend them for working with Coleman for the Cure. We work with them for with Brawling for Boobies last year. Uh, great organization. Um, I was personally vested in in working with Coleman for the Cure, obviously for for various personal reasons, most of which you guys know. But nonetheless, it was cool to see WWE partner with a company like that, doing great things. All the guys had little pink ribbons on. There was nice subtle nods. Even the ropes had pink in there. Uh, of course, October is Breast Cancer Awareness Month, and MTR will also be going pink in some in some respects. You'll be seeing the pink logo and a couple of things, and um, there's there's talk of of possibly doing another Brawling for Boobies uh, charity event. 
we'll see if if we pull the trigger on it given uh what went on last year but again for for a good cause for charity and and you know to do our part to combat breast cancer i may i may pull the plug i may pull the trigger excuse me not pull the plug i may pull the trigger on it and find a way to do it again this year but it's cool that wwe is doing it john cena might be on the show for a couple of weeks that's what i had wanted uh, i had said at the top of the segment that would that put the hell in the cell event in jeopardy he actually had surgery to remove bone chips from his elbow um, originally they're saying two to three weeks recovery. Now they're saying four to six weeks. John Cena took issue with what WWE published regarding his recovery. I don't know if that was uh, real or scripted, but nonetheless, he had bone chips removed. I doubt he's going to be in action in three weeks, maybe four weeks at best, just in time for the pay-per-view. And that's a stretch. And if it is something where he is going to be in the match, who knows? He may get a chair shot to the elbow and, That'll kind of impact the match and how it's going to progress. At this point, it's up in the air, but I'm sure we'll see Cena on Raw this Monday. Another guy who's on the shelf that I didn't even know had surgery is Christian. He had surgery on his shoulder uh, to take care of a nagging problem during his requested time off. So for those of you wondering where Captain Charisma is, now you know he's on the shelf with surgery. Now, with John Cena on the shelf and um, you know Randy Orton stepping away, to do the movie it's looking like Seamus will be feuding with the big show that's that's where they're going to be going uh the feud is scheduled to start next next week on smackdown the big show took a couple of weeks off to rest so yes ladies and gents the big show and Seamus super exciting television at play with Seamus and the big show note to self don't watch any main event stuff on smackdown until the big show or Seamus are out of the picture because it's going to be boring. The mic work is going to be subpar, but the wrestling is just going to be garbage. I'm sorry. Facts are facts, and that's how I'm telling it. Anyway, that wraps up the wrestling segment for this week. Let's get into some video game news. Have to take a quick drink of the monster energy that i am drinking i don't know how good of an idea it was to drink that after drinking a pepsi max who knows if my heart explodes on air i leave the show to my nephew and slick and my possessions to my wife <laughs> anyway let's talk some games bioware announced a, a via press release that there's going to be a new dragon age coming out dragon age 3 inquisition it's going to be the third game in the series and is expected to be out next year it's going to continue to uh, it's going to start using the Frostbite 2 technology, uh, brand new engine. There's going to be some tweaks going on, so you can be on the lookout for that next year. The Dragon Age franchise started in 2009 with Dragon Age Origins, and it's sold over 8 million copies to date. So get ready for more Dragon Age. We got some double dipping going on. Sega's going to be releasing their Heritage Collection, which I'm actually really looking forward to picking up. Because you're going to get Knights into Dreams HD and Sonic Adventure 2. That's going to be dropping, get this, on October 2nd for PSN and October 5th for Xbox Live. Both games are going to run you 10 bucks. Sonic Adventure 2 is going to have the Battle Mode DLC, which you can add on for $3. But the beauty of it is that if you get Knights into Dreams HD, you're also going to get free access to Christmas Nights, the expansion that was released. So... If you're a fan of the Night series, which I, I love that series when I was growing up, you'll be able to pick that up October 2nd 
on the PSN or October 5th on Xbox Live. In some news out of Tokyo Game Show, PlayStation Plus will be coming to the Vita in November. As usual, the service is going to run $17.99 for three months or $49.99 for the year. Now, here's a cool thing. If you have PlayStation Plus already on your PS3, it's going to be free for the PlayStation Vita. And if you have it on the Vita, it will be free for the PS3. So a nice, nice bit of uh, savings there. It's not going to be two different services that you're going to have to pay for. All in one for handheld and home consoles. Nice work, Sony. Nice work. Midway is, is also double dipping, much like Sega's been doing. Uh, they're going to be releasing an arcade origins package. It's going to have 30 different arcade titles, including classics like Gauntlet, Joust, Spy Hunter, Marble Madness, which is one of my favorites, Defender, and Rampage. But like anything else, there's always a catch. The games will not have online multiplayer, but they will have achievements and trophies and some leaderboards. If you want to get your hands on it, it's going to drop in November for the PS3 and 360, and it will cost you 30 bucks. Personally, maybe to play a little Marble Madness, and if they release that game by itself, I'd just buy that. Rampage, maybe, and, and Joust, just because who doesn't want to run around on giant fucking ostriches? I know I do. But not for 30 bucks, definitely not. Also out of the Tokyo Game Show, Zone of Enders HD Collection will be out October 30th. It's going to, like the original game, have a demo for Metal Gear. That's right, Metal Gear Rising Revengeance will be a demo on Zone of Enders HD. So if you pick that up on October 30th, you'll be able to get your playtime in with Raiden. Well, Raiden, Raiden, however you want to pronounce it. And cut up some bad guys. So that's going to definitely move a lot of units. Giving out that demo for free with Zone of Enders will, will be huge. Obviously, down the road, you can expect that demo to drop by itself. But if you want to play it right away, you can grab that Zone of Enders HD collection October 30th and get your hands on cutting up some bad guys. In some Darksiders news, which I discussed with Slick last week, Argyle's Tomb will be available on September 25th for the 360 and also on the PS3. It's going to run you $7 or 560 Microsoft points. You're going to get new dungeons. You're going to get a shooter style level. And um, if you picked up the limited edition, you'll get access to Argyle's Tomb as well. It'll also be included in the Wii U version when it comes out on November's 18th. <laughs> ben in the chat says, I'm getting Zone of Enders HD. Makes me re relive being 10. Hell yeah. But the, the addition of Metal Gear is, is an absolute plus with regards to that. Now, something I thought I'd never say is that Square Enix is releasing Kingdom Hearts on the PS3. Now, before you guys jump up and down and give yourselves epic high fives, I got some bad news. Kingdom Hearts 1.5 HD Remix will be released on the PS3 but it will only be released in Japan as of right now. It's going to include Kingdom Hearts Final Mix, Kingdom Hearts Chain of Memories, and Kingdom Hearts 358 slash 2 Days. So that'll be out 2013 in Japan. No plans for a stateside release as of now, but um, if you're a Kingdom Hearts fan and you want to import the game, you'll be able to play it on the PS3 with fresh HD graphics. By the way, speaking of the PS3, Tokyo Game Show announced a slim and trim brand new PS3 that was announced. 
Um, Engadget reports that this brand new PS3 will come in 250 gig and 500 gig flavors. It'll cost you 270 bucks for the 250 gig and $300 for the 500 gig. The older models will retain their 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 current price points, which is 250 for the 160 and 300 for the 320. So there you have it. Now a lot of people are saying, oh well, why didn't they price drop the old consoles? And a very strange statement was said by John Kohler, um, Sony's VP of marketing. He goes, there's no price drop formally, but the thing that's been happening in the market over the last year or so is that there's been so many retail price promotions and so many different gift card offers and all those things being done by all of us, Microsoft, Nintendo, and Sony, of course, that we've heard from our consumers enough with all these weird price moves. What we really want is content and games and value. This is what he said. Now, let, let's be real. Um... Here's uh here's the crazy shit. You drop all these consoles. You're not doing price cuts on on the on the on the smaller hard drives. What's to stop anyone from buying the $250 PS3 and swapping out their hard drive much like I did? Absolutely no one. You can get a, a 500 gig hard drive from from a store like Micro Center or even from Newegg sometimes for 50 bucks. So you can have a 500 gig system Already for the same cost of buying this brand new one. Now, you're probably saying to yourself, "Yeah, but I can just pay the 300, get a PS3, and not have to not have to do all the work." Trust me, adding a new hard drive is cake. Slick actually gave me some shit about it. He's like, "Dude, I thought you added the hard drive ages ago. I hadn't gotten around to it, but I picked up a hard drive. Like I said, I picked it up for for $52. It was a, uh, I think it was a Western Digital Blue Drive. I." Backed up all my stuff to the cloud on PSN, put everything else on a flash drive, boom. I was up and running with a freshly upgraded PS3 first gen in 25 minutes, maybe half an hour tops. It was it was a piece of cake. The thing that gets me is that you're talking about more content. You know, that's what gamers want, more games and more value. First of all, more content and more games. I find it fitting that you reference that when that's always been a problem with Sony, releasing more games. They've been very good as of late, putting out good titles and, and great games, but to, to focus on that and still and, and address value and not cut the price of those systems, if you want to do something that would hurt the Nintendo Wii U, it, it would be dropping the 160 gig, uh, 160 gig PS3 to 199 and dropping the 320 gig to 200, I mean to um to 250, that would help. Then um, uh, you know you could phase out the 320. Uh, I mean you could phase out the 250 gig because you're already selling the 320 and just have the 320 and the 500. You're you're throwing in a difference of you're you're making people buy a 250 gig hard drive for 270 dollars. When they can just, like I said, buy the 250, uh, 160 gig system and upgrade it themselves. Not only that, but what? Just because it's slimmer and it looks different, that that's going to be a selling point? We are well beyond that at this point. I've just got word that Slick is on the line. I'm going to bring him in because I'm sure he's going to have some stuff to add to that as well. Slick, what's going on, brother? What do you got? What's up, man? Not too much, dude. Not too much. Well, on this slim PS3, 
despite the fact that when the PS3 first came out in 2006, they basically told you that you could swap out the hard drive. Right. You'd be surprised how many people just don't know that. I I was I wasn't one of them. I was just one that just never got around to it. But it's true. There there's probably well, tons of about you. No no no. I'm just I'm just you know putting myself in the group. Because <laughs> people are stupid. They don't listen. They don't read. I agree. <laughs> there's no argument there. And you'll be surprised how many people will buy that little slim 500 gigabyte PS3? Yeah, but... And go ahead. part of it has to do with the different 360 models. They look at the PS3 the same way. And the uh, vice president you were talking about who's talking about content and value, that's a very smart way to market it because... With all these these um, rumored pictures of the PS4 that are circulating around, guess what? Sony is firmly intending to stand by what Casarai uh, said and not putting that shit out for another four years. And I respect that. The thing that gets me is that instead of going and, and, and making the system slimmer and trying to change the profile... Focus more on just continuing to give people more content, more games. Maybe maybe add more games to the PSN Plus. Maybe start increasing the PS1 library on the service to make people feel like it's more of a value to shell out 17 bucks every three months. The fact is that you can release a, a PlayStation as thin as a fucking iPhone, and it's still going to do the same thing that my fat first-generation PlayStation 3 does, and that's play games. You get what I'm saying? Like, you're putting this out, and you're like, yeah, man, it's a 500-gig hard drive. And it's like, dude, you could rock a 500-gig hard drive now. You get what I'm saying? I've been rocking a 500-gig hard drive for years. Thank you. And the thing is, if you want to do something, say, hey, we're changing the profile, and we're going to make their PS3 have a one-terabyte drive. You want to make people buy this shit and be like, yo, you get one-terabyte. That would crush everybody. Look, we made it slimmer, and we put a one terabyte. Um, either you could do a solid state hybrid drive, or you could do a uh, you could do just a regular laptop hard drive. But it would make people go, "Oh, that's pretty cool." You get what I'm saying? Like, there's there's something there when you're saying one terabyte. That's huge. But dude, 500 gig hard drives. We anybody could do that at this point. What would a fresh coat of paint you if expect? They somehow, if they somehow put a solid state one terabyte drive in there. I ship like I'd run out and buy that shit. Oh no, not not a SSD because you know it'll cost an arm and a leg. But even a, a one terabyte laptop drive, or even if they get, even if they corner the market on one terabyte drives and sell a couple of PS3s, and they say, hey, you know, pay us three hundred, three hundred and fifty, you get a one terabyte drive with a uh, with a PS3 that's that's engineered to use this larger storage because a lot of people that have upgraded their PS3s going beyond 500 gigs either into 750 or 1 terabyte territory has been hit and miss. Now if Sony comes out of the gate and says, "Listen, we're going to give you a 1 terabyte console." It, that's unheard of. And if people people would jump on that immediately because it's the fact that bigger is better. 
And it's true. Like you said, people don't know that you can change the hard drive out. Some people have no clue. But if you build your brand around that, around get the new PS3 with one terabyte, with a th- you know, with a one terabyte hard drive, all your games, all your music, all your movies in one place. You know, if you market it that way, people people will be like, oh shit, that's insane. Without even knowing that they could already have been rocking something close to that, they'll run out and buy it. You know, you give them you give them a three months of of PSN for PSN Plus for free to download all the games to give them incentive, and you're done. Now that would have impressed me because not only would you have mastered using that size hard drive in a home console, but you would be the first. If they're smart, though, they'll take this new slim PS3 and turn it into a Spidey bundle. That would be cool. Do a red and blue, do a red and blue PS3. Throw the throw the Blu-ray in there. I could dig that too. That that might work. Cause that's the one thing they still have. You know, the one Marvel character that they can still market. Very true. And if they're smart, they'll they'll you know because the holidays are coming up. Both Sony and um, Microsoft. Doesn't matter what you say. They base they they're gonna have to battle the Wii U. I agree. They are. They're definitely going to have to lock horns. It has a good price point. It's finally going to be a Nintendo console with good games. And, excuse me, just the fact that it's new. They're going to have to battle the Wii U. They, they, They both have to come up with something to make up a word, packagey. Okay. Holiday packaging. Like, I mean, does Microsoft even have any kind of exclusive title right now? I mean, other than Halo. Yeah, I mean, they're going to have to do a Halo 4 bundle. Right. Does anybody give a fuck about a a freaking Master Chief Green uh, 360 again? You'd be surprised. They already have a Halo 4 bundle. I have seen it. I have so seen that, that. That's I mean, that's what they're gonna have to do, and freaking Sony's gonna have to come up with something. Yeah, I mean, like I like I said, you want to do something, you want to get people's attention. Like I said, one terabyte. That number speaks volumes. You say that, people be like, "Oh shit," <laughs> you know, because that's that's I serious. Have, I mean, Sony hasn't done anything like this with the the PS3, but if they skinned that slim PS3 with the the texture of the new the new Spidey outfit, made it red and blue, made it come with the, the Blu-ray, and gave you like a year of PSN plus, that holiday bundle would fucking fly off the shelves, I think. I think I, I can ag- I can definitely agree with that, especially like I said, because it adds an aura of exclusivity to it. Making it slim and giving me the bigger hard drives, you know, like I said, whoop-de-damn-do. We're at a point right now where why would you want to go and buy another PS3 based on aesthetic alone? I know, I mean, there are a couple of weirdos that'll do that. You know, like, I knew a couple of guys, hell, I was kind of in that camp myself, where all my home theater components were black, and my Xbox 360 was white, and I'm like, damn, I wish the 360 came in black. 
Needless to say, Red Ring of Death later, Black 360. <laughs> there you go. There you go. Anything else you need to add, my friend? No, I just think um, they're, they're really missing out on an opportunity. And with the Wii U coming out, this was, you know, a good chance for them to, to try to put something together to, to get some holiday numbers. But we'll, we'll see. I mean, it's still early. They might do something with it. Well, I will say this, you know, the Wii U expanding upon the fact that you can that they can plug you can plug in your own storage is is a huge move, you know. It's a it's well, a they decided to they decided to take a page. Well, why shouldn't they take a page from Sony when Sony and Microsoft have taken multiple pages from them? Well, yeah, but the the beauty of it is that, that they made sure to cite in their press release and and even during the presentation, they were like, you know, if you want to attach a one terabyte hard drive, you see what I mean? The keyword, if you want a, a one terabyte of storage on there, the Wii U will gladly accommodate that. And that's when if you're Sony, like I said, you turn around and take those words and you go, yeah, you can add one terabyte to a Nintendo. But how about just having a console with one terabyte in it? You see what I'm saying? Just take it, taking the taking their their marketing and turning it against them. In the console wars, dude, every little bit helps. You ain't never lost. Hell no. Anything else, my friend? Nah, I'm good for now, man. All right, dude. Thanks. All right, peace. Peace. All right, that was a perfect way to close out the gaming segment. Let's get into the movies this week. Spartans! What is your profession? I think we need a brand new clip for the entertainment segment. I caught myself. I did say the movie segment. It is the entertainment section. And Slick conveniently reminded me as well. Yes, the NTR entertainment segment. There you have it. Anyway, let's get into our entertainment news for this week. Deadline reports that Josh Schwartz and Stephanie Savage from Gossip Girl are working on a new drama for the CW. And now you're probably asking yourself, why is Rich talking about the CW and Gossip Girl? Did, did, did his balls fall off? Did he grow a mangina? No. Check this out. They're going to put out a show called Copeland Prep, which is going to be about a school, a secondary school that is so competitive that it turns its students into actual monsters. That's the crazy shit. Now, Catherine Hardwick from Twilight is an executive consultant, and Warner Brothers is producing it with Fake Empire, who did uh, The Heart of Dixie and the Carrie, Di the Carrie Diaries on that network. So we're going to get a very, very interesting, it almost feels like Buffy the Vampire Slayer all over again with, with the high school and the monsters and all that shit, but it, it's, it, the CW's really trying to find ways to, to get that, that teen audience but with shows that push the envelope, the Vampire Diaries is one. I have to admit that Arrow is definitely pushing, pushing towards that realm as well. It's it uh, hopefully it's not as romanticized as Smallville was, and I'll expand on that later on in the segment. But it the, they're they're putting out all these crazy concepts trying to get um trying to get this out there. Not only that, but the the story itself was written by Brett Easton Ellis, who wrote American Psycho which I'm a big American Psycho fan, so that alone gives me some sort of a nudge to want to check this show out. So as soon as I get more details about when it's going to air and um, 
what time I'll share that with you guys. But the concept sounds at least slightly different than most of the cookie cutter shit that we see on broadcast television as of late. Batman on film is reporting that they, that the WB or War, AKA Warner brothers is looking on changing their strategy instead of integrating Batman into the, the brand new justice league movie. They may separate them with the justice league film, maintaining its own continuity and keeping it separate from DC Comics solo movie. So take that, take that as, as for what it's worth. Honestly, I don't think that they should have separate continuities because when it's time to bring all that together, it's just going to seem very disjointed. I honestly feel that if you're going to do the Batman reboot, do that first, establish the actor, and then as part of the, the actor's contract, you sign him up for Justice League. You already got your Superman taken care of. Don't go wasting all this time and energy recasting and doing all this stuff. Take your existing characters, the household names that you've strived to create, and just integrate them into the Justice League. It's as easy as that. If you go to all this trouble of creating a Batman that works to not use him and to cast another Batman for Justice League, you're shooting yourself in the foot. Seriously. But who knows at this point? It's speculation as of right now. But honestly, one universe. One. Look at what Marvel's going through, having their characters spread all over the place. They have to negotiate with companies to be able to use X character, or they have to negotiate with, with, with a company to you know, use X reference. Seriously, if the Avengers is in New York, why can't Spider-Man be involved in some capacity? Because, obviously, Spider-Man is owned by Sony. Same thing with the Fantastic Four and all that other stuff. You can't use it because it's, it's not property of Marvel Disney. DC... Warner Brothers don't make that mistake. Not just not that they're going to farm out those other properties, but just don't make the mistake of breaking up the universes. It's a recipe for disaster. Box office totals, it's a, it shouldn't come as a shock that Resident Evil Retribution was number 1, 21 million dollars to open things up. Finding Nemo 3D was number 2, The Possession was number 3, Lawless was 4, Paranorman was 5, The Expendables was 6, The Words was 7. The Born Legacy was 8, The Odd Life of Timothy Green was 9, The Campaign was 10. Obviously, we got Dread opening this weekend. Um, I also want to check out that Jake Gyllenhaal cop flick, which looks pretty badass. Um, I'm sure Slick will have a review for Dread. Maybe I'll go see it. Maybe I'll go see some cops shoot some shit up. We'll see what the deal is, but box office is slowly picking up, and we got good stuff coming in November, in October and November as well. So, all is not lost. Zap2 had reported that the DC villains, the Royal Flush Gang, will be appearing in CW's Arrow. You should expect to see them in Episode 6, called Legacies. So, it's nice that they're adding certain characters, you know, Deadshot, characters from, from DC continuity that we all know, obviously, with a fresh spin. The Royal Flush Gang, they've popped up in Arrow, they've popped up in Batman... So it's nice to see that they're doing that and they're adding the, the, these little subtle touches. Like I said, it's not always a bad thing. Arrow will premiere October 10th at 8 p.m. That's going to be a Wednesday on the CW. Now, it wouldn't be a movie segment without some what-the-fuck movie news. The Hollywood Reporter reports that Sony Pictures Animation is looking to develop a live-action CGI hybrid film based on Manimal. 
If you grew up in the in the 80s, you may remember this series. They gave it shortly on NBC. I remember because I think I saw a rerun of it later on when I was older, late at night. Basically, Manimal follows a guy who fights crime because he is able to transform into any animal. Get that. So uh, the, the series originally starred uh, Simon... McCorkendale, he played Dr. Jonathan Chase. And like I said, he fought crime being tr by being able to transform into any animal. Why you would want to turn this into a movie, I couldn't tell you. Manimal was all of eight episodes. Eight. Yet this is what Hollywood wants to turn into a movie. Manimal, ladies and gentlemen. Do yourselves a favor, do some homework, and you will see. The transformations were amusing at best. I will make sure to link the IMDb profile for Manimal into the show notes when I put the episode on M on mytakeradio.com. But really, Hollywood, Manimal is where we're going. <sighs> if you happen to be in New York City next month for Comic-Con, the cast of Green Arrow will be at the New York Comic-Con October 14th at 11 a.m. Uh, Stephen Amal, Katie Cassidy will all be there at the IGN Theater with a Q&A. They'll also be signing autographs at the DC booth. MTR is hoping, like I said, to get all our paperwork approved so that we will be there covering it as well. Make sure that if you are in New York City for Comic-Con and you're an MTR listener to look us up, maybe we'll have some cool shit to give away. Maybe we'll just say hello. Maybe we'll yell at you. Who knows? But um, if you are here for New York Comic-Con, you'll be able to check out the CW panel for Arrow Sunday, October 14th. We finally got a release date for The Dark Knight Rises. noted on your calendars. December 3rd, you're getting a Blu-ray combo pack with digital download. No special features, no cover, nothing has been revealed as of yet. Only the date, December 3rd. So be on the lookout for that. The other thing from Comic-Con that I'm really looking forward to seeing are the panels for The Evil Dead and Carrie, which are going to be there as well on October 13th. I actually want to check out the Evil Dead panel because Bruce Campbell is going to be there. And it's on my it's on my bucket list to get Bruce Campbell's autograph and a photo taken with him, much like Todd McFarlane. Slick knows how I am when I try to get stuff off my bucket list. Bruce Campbell is one of those one of those some things I want to get off that list. If you're going to be in the area to check that out, you can also check out the panel for the Carrie remake, which uh, Chloe Moretz will be there as well as Julianne Moore. That's going to be going down October 13th at the Javits. Evil Dead will be in theaters April 12th, 2013. Carrie will be in theaters March 15th, 2013. And Comic-Con, like I said, starts October 11th. Now, the last bit of movie news to wrap things up is, get this, they are doing a sequel to the Smurfs, and they're introducing new villains called the Naughties. If you picked up Entertainment Weekly recently, you get to see a picture of them. Uh, the Naughties are... New henchmen created by Gargamel, similar to the way he created Smurfette. Uh, the Naughties are Vexy, who will be voiced by Christina Ricci, and Hackus, voiced by J.B. Smoove. The guy's name is Smoove. S-M-O-O-V-E. <sighs> sometimes sometimes the, the jokes write themselves. Anyway, the Naughties are brand new characters to Smurf's mythology. And like I said, they're going to use a similar origin like Smurfette, where Gargamel created them out of clay so they're going to be gray characters and they'll be the quote-unquote villains for the smurfs along with gargamel anyway the movie's already 
in progress. Neil Patrick Harris is coming back. Hank Azaria is coming back as Gargamel. And it will be in theaters July 31st, 2013. So there you have it, folks. The Naughties. If you picked up Entertainment Weekly, you'll be able to check them out. I'll make sure to post a photo on our Facebook fan page over the weekend so you guys so could check them out as well. But that's going to wrap it up for this week. Pretty short, pretty quiet. Next week, we got one more episode. Uh, before we go into October, we're going to do one more live episode October 4th. For the week of Comic-Con, that October, which would be October 11th, that Thursday, there obviously may not be a live show due to us working Comic-Con that day. Worst case scenario, we may be doing a live show that Wednesday, October 10th. So just make a note of that in case we have to change the schedule up. We will be doing an episode October 10th. In addition to that, we are going to be uploading tons of video content, tons of photos, all kinds of stuff from Comic-Con that weekend. So just a reminder, make sure to subscribe to MTR via RSS. That way you can get all the episodes of My Take Radio plus all the content as well. We're also going to start working on the MTR newsletter, which I actually started building last week, and we're going to put a sign-up form for that. So if you just want to get some of the newest MTR content in a newsletter format to your inbox, you guys will be able to sign up for that, and we're going to include some exclusive stuff in there as well. Maybe we'll include our episodes of Beyond the Mic in there and Behind the Mic as just an exclusive for those of you that sign up for the newsletter. Right now, that stuff is exclusive for our app owners, but we're trying to give different uh, facets of our fan base different exclusives as well. So just something that we are working on, and I figured I would share it with you guys before we wrap things up. As I mentioned, make sure to subscribe to MTR on YouTube. Look for youtube.com forward slash TV for all our videos and content. And that's going to wrap it up. I'm out of here. You've just heard My Take Radio episode 155. For Thursday, September 20th, 2012. If you want to be a guest on a future episode of MTR, have any questions, concerns, or are interested in writing for My Take Radio, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. We're always looking for great companies to partner up and work with, so if you're interested in advertising with MTR either on air or on the site, you can email me mtrhost at mytakeradio.com for that as well. We're probably going to make a separate email address for that in the coming weeks, but... You can email me at that address if you're interested in any of the stuff I just mentioned. You can find us on social media, on Twitter, at MyTakeRadio, on MySpace, if you even go there anymore. Look for us, MySpace.com forward slash MyTakeRadio. Of course, Facebook, add us, become a fan, Facebook.com forward slash MyTakeRadio for that. If you're on Google+, Plus, you can add us to your circle. And if you want MTR to go... Pick up our official MyTake Radio apps available for Android and iOS devices. For your Android devices, you can go to the Amazon Android store to pick that up. It's $1.99. Same thing with iOS. You can pick it up in the iTunes store. The app works with iPads, iPhones, and iPods. And with any Android device, you'll get access to all the episodes of MTR and 96K Stereo. You'll get exclusive mobile wallpapers, plus all of our exclusive content as well if we start doing video content for that we're going to start offering that also exclusively on the app in the coming weeks you can also listen to my take radio via blog talk radio zoom marketplace blueberry miro we also simulcast on futurecast media and of course tune in radio as well all right 
I'm out of here. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for all your continued support. I will catch you guys next week. I'm out of here. Peace. I actually had a um, Super Mario Brothers theme that I wanted to share with you guys from Artificial Fear. Uh, once again, all the notes to get access to that music will be available when we publish the episode. Until then, here is the newest track, Super Mario Brothers Metal by Artificial Fear. You can find him on YouTube and check out his work by heading over to youtube.com. I think it's forward slash artificial fear official but if you want to get all the other links and also all those tracks i will include that in the show notes see you later
Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye.